Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 96. I just saw that there will be an NPE retreat in 2022. Let me tell you a little bit about it. It is put on by... High Wraith Hope and Healing, and they've announced their dates of April 21st through April 25th of 2022. So I don't know when you're listening to this podcast, but if you are listening in real time, and if you're interested in doing something like that, people have said it's incredibly healing for them. They have, um, they meet in this beautiful old house in Pennsylvania and in the East Coast somewhere, and they get together and they have social time. And I saw a picture of them all drinking coffee today and they said, NPEs at sunrise. They, I, there's actually a retreat happening as I speak here in October of 2021. Um, they do have, they facilitate, I think they even have mental health professionals come. I Don't quote me on it. Maybe it's more meditative. I'm not sure exactly what they do, but people come out of there um, happy and connected and feeling loved. So. I might even go to it. So save the date for April 21st through April 25th, 2022. I'll put the name of the group in the show notes, but the High Wraith is spelled H-I-R-A-E-T-H. High Wraith Hope and Healing. And it's Aaron and Cindy, if if you know who they are. (laughs) I don't know if I can say their last names, but look them up. Okay, and then what else is going on? Oh, Right to Know, the advocacy group for misattributed parentage. Oh, and I, I should mention, I use the word NPE, but that retreat I just mentioned, it that, that encompasses adoptees, donor-conceived individuals, late discovery adoptees, um, any and all of the above, anyone that's had a shock parentage later in life, this, this, is, this is for you. Uh, right to Know. Right to Know, the advocacy group, that uh, you can find them at righttoknow.us. They have, let's see here, they had a little seminar on rejection. Their next one is put on by two, uh, let's see, one's a donor-conceived individual and one is a NPE. And they are going to talk about healing through art, like healing through music. So you can look that up as well if that's something you're interested in in the misattributed parentage community. And today we are going to listen to a story. I, oh, I did have one more announcement before we get to this story. So this is episode 96, but on episode 100, I am planning a different format. I know I always like to have a story and I invite someone on to share what's happened to them. On episode 100, just to honor 100 episodes, I'm going to do a different format. I'm working on something where I bring on some previous guests and we're going to talk about 
our opinions, our thoughts, our feelings, emotions. We're going to make space for anger and sadness and healing. So episode 100, maybe in another month will come out. It's going to be a little different. And on this podcast, my typical format is that we create space for an NPE to share what has happened to them. And today we are speaking with Jillian. Hi, Jillian. Hi there, Lily. Where am I speaking to you from today? I currently reside in Michigan. Oh, you do? Oh, so you're going to, you have the fall colors changing just like me. I do. It's beginning to look beautiful out there. Michigan in the fall is just perfect. Oh, how nice. Oh, but, but you're still in Eastern time zone there? Yes, just about. Oh, I didn't realize. Okay. Well, uh, nice to speak with you today. Thank you so much for being willing to share your story today. Thank you. I want to thank you because I've been listening to these podcasts um, religiously almost for my, since my discovery, and I found them incredibly helpful. Um, they've made me feel not crazy at times, and um, it's made me understand, one, that I'm not alone, and that, two, there's very many ways that this affects people. So I think it's really helpful. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Good. I'm I'm glad you feel that way. Me too. Like whenever I hear someone's story, I just yes, I feel like gosh, I get it. I'm we have mm-hmm. our little community of nodding heads and I'm just I'm right there with you. So, since you've listened to so many, you know the format and I'll I'll kind of let you take it from here, but if you would sure. start at the beginning and and kind of let us know what your original family was like and then how you found out you were an NPE. I will. Thank you. So I'm not from Michigan initially. I was brought up in the United Kingdom, in the southeast of the United Kingdom. And my mom um, was the eldest of several children. And she had a very difficult upbringing. To say the very least, I would say that there was emotional and um, sexual abuse And of course, that was in the 50s and 60s. And basically, that sort of thing was behind closed doors, brushed under the rug, and nobody talked about it. So when I tell my story, I always reference back to the fact that she had a really difficult life. And perhaps that played into some of her decision making. So um, I was led to believe that my mom met somebody where she was at work and he was a married man and they had an affair and decided they wanted to be together and so they moved in together. And realistically now when I look back I realized there was no real timeline discussed but my recollection of the discussions we did have was that they were together for a couple of years before they found out about me Now, I knew that my mom could not marry my birth certificate father um, as his wife was Catholic and refused to get a divorce. And my mom told me that she knew that wasn't a possibility. So she just had her name legally changed and she wore a wedding ring. And they had this very romantic exchange of vows in bed one morning. And that was their little couple calling themselves by the same last name. 
Um, when my mum found out she was pregnant, she t- always told me that she was about five months along. And legend has it, you know, she still had scant, you know, light periods. Um, and it was a big surprise. She thought she was just putting a little bit of weight on. And famously, my birth certificate father said it will be a girl. Her name will be Gillian and she will be eight pounds. Um, so he was absolutely delighted to find that that my mum was pregnant because he had always been in told he was infertile. He'd had some surgeries in his youth that had allegedly left him infertile. And he and his wife, who of course he still was not divorced from, um, had never been able to have a child. So in early 1971, I was born and legend has it that I was four weeks early but I was a healthy seven pounds, 10 ounces. Now, of course, uh, my birth certificate father was delighted. My mother was very happy. And I met all expectations with being a girl, being named Gillian and being about eight pounds. So what I didn't say is that my birth certificate father was much, much older than my mum, probably 26 years older than her. And he was in his 50s. And he'd already had heart issues. Um, And after some of his heart issues, the hospital at the time that didn't really do very much for heart attacks in 1971, told them to um, stop smoking, eat a better diet and go on the best vacation they could afford in order to recuperate from his minor heart attack. And so they went on a cruise of the Mediterranean, which was very wonderful. I went along too. I was six months old. And while we were, they were on the cruise, my birth certificate father had a massive heart attack and died. Oh. So um, my mom was, she was 28 at the time, but I would say she was in a lot of ways naive and didn't ask a lot of questions about what would happen and could they repatriate his body or anything like that. In fact, he was buried at sea just four hours later. Mm. And then they told her when she got to Italy that she needed to get off the boat and make her way home, which she did. Um, And so now she was a single mom, widowed, allegedly, right? But she wasn't actually married um, with a six-month-old baby. And so I was just a baby. um, And I think she panicked a little. So she married somebody else a couple of years later. And he was basically a most terrible man, Um. She actually married him legally twice because after they were married, it turned out he had another wife and he was basically, the police came and accused him of bigamy. So he got a divorce and then she married him again. Um, But he was abusive, physically abusive. He was a um, terrible alcoholic. He gambled every penny that they had away. And ironically, he stood up in church on a Sunday as a pastor and preached the gospel. And the rest of the time, he was just a terrible, terrible person. So much so that my mom was pregnant with his child, actually twins, and he beat her so severely that she lost my brother's twin. 
Um, yeah, it was, it was very sad. And at the time, um, she was, you know, stuck with this man, it would seem. So she had my half brother in 1974. And, um, we had several terrible years of watching my mum be beaten. Um, I must say she was not a very, um, she wasn't very smart sometimes to protect herself. She would antagonize him. I remember very vividly he'd been away for several days drinking and gambling and he turned up. um, And I remember her throwing a cup of coffee on him, asking where he'd been. Well, that resulted in a terrible, terrible beating that I witnessed. Um, And I, as I got older, I used to think, why did she throw the coffee on him? I've, of course, realized now, as I've matured, that sometimes you feel very brave, almost knowing what the consequence will be, but you are so angry at the time that you say what you need to say, despite what's then going to happen. So eventually, when I was about eight, um, they divorced. And of course, that was a very good thing. But I think my mom struggled at that point to have two children. She had to work full time. Um, And so she moved us to live with my grandparents. Well, if you think back to the beginning of my story, you'll know that being living with my grandparents was probably not the safest place to take a young girl Mm. and her brother. Now, to my recollection, nothing happened to me. Um, But I think talking to a couple of my aunts um, that I was being groomed Mm -hmm. along the way, but I wasn't quite old enough to where he became incredibly interested in me. And fortunately or unfortunately, it was very sad. My grandmother died very unexpectedly. And at that point, I realized, I think my mum realized she couldn't be sure to keep us safe. And we ended up homeless for just a few days. But then living in England, there's a lot of socialized programs. And we basically moved into what I think America would call the projects. But it was um, a brand new development of houses. And um, it was actually very nice as socialized housing situations go. Anyway, several boyfriends later, um, they would come and they would go. They wouldn't live with us or anything, but they would be around. My mum then married the most lovely man. Uh, Again, much, much older, 21 years older than my mother. Um, He was recently widowed um, and he was just lovely. And I fully aware she married him for stability, for his um, financial resources, um, and to feel whole, I think. But he was just wonderful. When I ever talk about my dad, that's who I'm referring to, this man that came into my life when I was 11. Um, He died when I was about 25, but he is my dad. He taught me many, many things. He taught me how to persevere through hardships. He taught me what unconditional love really means. He taught me how to be a good person when people around you say things that aren't nice. And he was just a great guy. He wasn't perfect, um, but he was just a wonderful guy. And I'm always feel very grateful that he came into my life at that time. I think my mom was probably 
quite emotionally abusive as I grew up. Um, she had a terrible, terrible temper. She would um, do irrational things and then regret them two or three hours later and try to fix them. But often then the damage was done. She made my life very difficult when it came to dating. Um, I remember vividly once she scrubbed my face with um, Comet or the equivalent product in um, England um, because a boy had called the house at 9 p.m. and that meant that I was just a whore. Um, And my face swelled up and we went to my aunt's house later that day and she said, what happened to your face? And of course, I told her she's my favorite aunt. Um, I'm still very close to her now. And um, I think there was an argument between my mom and my aunt at that point. But um, she didn't want me to have a boyfriend. And I think in some ways that kind of pushed me towards boys even more. So when I was 16, I met um, a man a boy, he was 18 years old, um, on a church vacation. And he was great. He offered me things that I was looking for to move away, to have a different life. Um, We got engaged when I was 18. I left home without my mother's knowledge or consent when I was 18. Um, I actually left school just before I graduated, but fortunately my grades, et cetera, allowed me. And the system's a little different in England. So I didn't not graduate high school. And I moved um, two hours away. There was a terrible night that night. My mum was very angry. Um, I left my front door key in a note. And my dad was very smart. He left the house early that morning and came back very, very late. When most of the shouting was done, she threatened to have my dog put to sleep. Um, She didn't, but she was very angry. Anyway, um, I met my, then my husband. I got married when I was 20. We had four children. Um, We had three children. And then in um, early 2000s, He's an engineer and we had the opportunity to move to the United States. We moved to the Midwest here in Michigan. So I was a long way away from her at that point and that actually felt really quite good. She, if she wanted to visit, it had to be very planned in advance. In fact, she would come about every 18 months or so for about three weeks. And although our relationship was strained at times and in fact, on many occasions um, since I've left home. She would not talk to me for months on end. And then something would happen. Usually she would um, have some sort of mental health crisis and then I would call her and check on her and then we'd be back to talking again. But she'd come and visit for about three weeks. And although a little strained between the two of us, on the whole, she was a good grandmother. Mm -hmm. And my kids absolutely loved her. So for my birthday, I think it was, in 2016, my husband got me an ancestry DNA test. Um, People at work had been getting them and they'd all be coming and saying, oh, I'm 52% British. And I thought, well, I've got to be 100%, surely. So I decided that I wanted to do it, but I didn't want to spring for the money for something for myself. So it was a birthday present. And of course, my results came in and I saw 
a close relative that had a name I didn't recognize, but I wondered if it was a relative of my birth certificate father who I didn't know. Because basically, once he died when I was six months, we had really nothing to do with that family at all. I had his sister um, was my godmother, but I didn't have any contact with her really from about the age of two or three up until around 18. And then she came back into my life for a few years. And then I moved to America and she passed away at some point. So I didn't really know that side of the family, really. And I think I was always a little bit of a dirty secret from that side of the family anyway. So I just assumed that this close relative was someone on that side of the family. And I really dismissed it. Life was busy. I had four children. I was working crazy hours. Um, I thought no more of it. I did message this person in 2016, but didn't hear anything. And then I actually addressed it again with another message in 2017, January. And then I got a reply in the March of that year. And it said she wasn't sure why we matched. She didn't recognize any of the names I mentioned and she couldn't really help me. And life was busy. I just dismissed it and carried on. Well, in 2017, um, life got super chaotic. Um, my marriage of 25 plus years came to an abrupt end. My husband left. Um, I had, um, I started dating like a crazy woman for a few minutes there because I felt very rejected and alone and thrown on the scrap heap. So I started dating and I met online a guy from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan who was living locally, um, who was just wonderful. And we met on one Wednesday in November and we've seen each other every single day since. Um, and because I met someone new, I sort of had put this whole ancestry thing out of my mind. But the fact that he was adopted, it would come to mind every now and then, I guess. Then very unexpectedly, in the May of 2018, my mum died. My brother called me, she'd um, collapsed, she'd had a massive heart attack and they'd not been able to revive her. And she was very active. She had a lot of back problems and some psychological problems, um, but had never had a heart problem in her life and she suddenly died. It was very shocking. She was even, she was working still. Um, and of course, I then have to deal with going back to the United Kingdom. We have to do a funeral from a very long way away. I had to start working through probate. She did not leave a will, um, tried to sell her house. It was a very stressful time and dealing with the sudden loss of a mother who I was not really very close to. I think I would describe it as I love my mom, but I didn't like her very much. And of course, my children were very upset their beloved grandmother had died. It sort of got me going through a strange time in my life because I suddenly realized I had no living parents. And here I am in my late 40s with no living parents, which happens to a lot of people. But I think it's um, shocking when it does happen to you. And I also started to really wonder about the health of my heart because my dad had died of a heart. My birth certificate father had died of a heart attack in 
his 50s. And now my mother at 75, that's not young, but it's certainly not very old by today's standards, had also died of a heart attack. And I began to sort of worry about my heart a little bit myself and whether or not that's what I was destined to do and die of a heart attack. So I even went and had a special test at the hospital. And then I started thinking about the DNA matches again and about how perhaps there's people on my birth certificate father's side that I could get in contact with and know more about him because I really knew very little. I've got a couple of photographs and that's it. I sent off for his death certificate so I knew the coordinates of where he was buried at sea. You know, I was pretty invested in trying to work out more about that side of the family. But when I looked at the DNA results, they made less and less sense to me. So this has brought me to the spring of 2019. And I should say during 2018, not only did my mum die, but I um, I had a big uh, demotion at work through not really any fault of my own, but it was very shocking at the time. And my divorce was final. And six weeks later, I married my lovely husband. I had major surgery. It was one of those years that um, I probably wouldn't want to repeat, but most of what happened was good overall. Um, and I'm now in the spring of 2019, just reeling a little bit from the 12 months that I've just lived through. And I decided to send a message to the person that was my next closest match. And it looked like it might be the daughter of the closest match. And I got a reply back that basically said, yeah, you messaged my mum a couple of years ago and we don't know what you're talking about. So I felt like I'd hit a little bit of a brick wall, but I decided to send a message to the next person down as well. And that person replied back that he had no inf new information. Um, and so I felt that I had hit a brick wall. Well, then, of course, I found the Facebook pages for NPEs. And I wasn't sure that I was an NP at this point, but it was the only thing that I could feel like might make sense was if the names I was looking at were there because they weren't related. I didn't realize how they were related to me. Um, and I started reading more about it on Facebook, lots of great people there with great information. And I started, you know, color coding things and looking at the different numbers and learning more about center organs and that sort of thing. And then I realized that this close match was either my aunt or a half sister. So I mentioned in a post on the Facebook page that I was stuck because I thought that perhaps Either this lady's brother might be my father or her father might be my father. Mm. And age-wise, it was potential for either. One would have been about 10 years younger than my mom when I was conceived and one would have been 20-odd years older than my mom. But as we know, my mom liked her older gentleman. Mm. So... Of course, one of those wonderful DNA search angels springs up in my messenger and I would say within two hours had my answer for me. 
she told me that it had to be this lady's father was my biological father as I had no DNA that was matching anybody on the mother's line meaning it could not be her brother Mm. so at this point bearing in mind I'd already contacted this lady a couple of times I contacted my aunt who is a was a teenager when all this was happening back in the 70s and I said you know what do you remember about that time and interestingly she said oh no your mum just came home and said I'm moving in with a married man and then a couple of weeks later she said oh and I'm pregnant was this aunt your mom's Mom's sister? sister got it okay yeah yeah about 14 years younger. Um, So, of course, I was very surprised because I thought they'd been together for a couple of years when all of this happened. But she said, oh, no, she just came home. And in fact, my grandparents were so upset about it all that they went and visited the wife of my birth certificate father. I'm assuming to apologize for their daughter's terrible behavior And I don't know, perhaps to try and see if she could get her husband to come back and make my mom come back and toe the line and do be a good girl. I'm not sure. So my aunt gave me a little bit more of the puzzle and it was bemusing, but I knew at this point I needed to get in contact with this lady. So for fear of sounding like a complete lunatic... I contacted this new sister again. Um, you know, I, I didn't message her directly. I got in touch with the cousin um, and I explained the link. Now, he was just wonderful. He understood. He has a tree of sort of three, four thousand people. He understood center organs. He looked at it. He said, I do believe you're correct. And he contacted my newly found half-sister and broke the news. He emailed me back and said, she's delighted to have a sister. She'll contact you soon, which was just a wonderful feeling. Mm. And And within a couple of days, I got an email. And I was excited to find out about this new sister and I'm assuming half brother as well. It turns out that my biological father died in the early 2000s. He was in his 80s. And also that my half brother had also died several years ago. But I have this half sister who is just fabulous. She's 21 years older than me. And interestingly enough, I've always wondered who I look like because I do not look like my mom. And I had these two photos of my birth certificate father who and I would search I'd look at them and look at them and try and find something and then some people would say well you look a bit like your grandma Um, and I would say well where did I get the blonde hair from and they'd say oh there's some blonde cousins you know how that goes and then when my brother was born he was sort of a sandy blonde colored hair so it sort of kind of made sense Well, I look at this lady's picture on Facebook and I am looking at myself in 20 years. Mm. 
100%. I actually sent you, Lily, a picture so that you could see that. You got your coloring, your hair, your eyes, yeah. your... Oh, my God. And she has the bangs and you're the the younger gal with the hair pulled back, right? You are. Yes. And I, it's funny because my whole life I've vacillated between having bangs and getting rid of bangs and I've just got rid of them right now. But um, my daughter says, oh, my gosh, if you still had your hair in a bob, then... You would look even more alike. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So um, she contacted me. We exchanged a few emails. She dug up some photos from for me. It was just wonderful to try and see some of these pictures. And she told me lots about health history and about the family and how they ended up because they're in New Zealand, um, how they ended up there, etc. cetera. Um, and we started to start piece together what we think really happened. And what we think happened is probably my mom went to him and said, I'm pregnant. And he said, I have a wife and two adult children. I can't do this. Please go away. Um, and I, we also wonder, we don't know, um, he had a job that he could take contracts outside of the country at times. And a couple of years after I was born, so this would have been when my mom was a widow and had a small child, they suddenly got a contract in um, many, I think it was in the African continent somewhere, South Africa or somewhere like that. And that was, as my new sister recollects, that was quite a sudden one that the whole family decided to move there. So we are wondering if my mom got back in contact with him and he really didn't want to deal with this. And so they put, he put some distance between them. But we don't know for sure, of course. This is just our discussion and thought process of maybe this is what happened. Mm -hmm. um, so I think what probably happened is my mom then went to this other gentleman who she was either already having a relationship with or she quickly started a relationship with him. And the next thing you know, she tells him, oh, I'm pregnant. And he was delighted because he'd never had children and thought he was infertile. And they went off and lived together and had a baby. And now, of course, I have times when I'm incredibly sad for his original wife. In the 70s, it was very bad to be have your husband leave you. And I wonder, how did she manage financially? Did he support her when he died? Did she get any money? I don't know any of the answers to any of this. But I feel sad that my mom probably robbed her of financial stability and her husband. But I do know he was very, very excited to have a child. And I feel sure that through the pregnancy and the six months that we were both alive at the same time, he was very happy and I was very, very loved. Hmm. Um, were his, this is 
not usually the, the line of questioning I take, but your your BCF, you were alive mm-hmm. both together for six months. Yeah. Did at that time were his parents still alive? Yes. And actually, I don't know about, I don't think his father was. And it's funny because my mother said that she would come to dinner, um, the mother-in-law would come to dinner and would never address my mother directly. Mm. So if they wanted to pass the potatoes, she would say to him, can I have some potatoes? And then he would say to her, my mother wants some potatoes. And then he, she would pass the potatoes to him, <laughs> could pass them to her. I can only imagine mm-hmm. how uncomfortable these meals were. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure she was not impressed with this young floozy mm-hmm. who was um, putting the cat among the pigeons. But you, if they thought their son was infertile, you would have, I would think they would have thought you would have been very important in their life, leaving a grandchild. Were they involved in your, I mean, again, they are, they turned out not to be your grandparents, but at the time they didn't know that. No, it's interesting you say that. And it's possibly the first time I'm thinking about that. No, um, she was all the time that I was, uh, that he was alive Mm. vaguely on the periphery maybe they had suspicions I don't know Mm -hmm. Um, not a lot was done about infertility in the 70s if you couldn't have babies you couldn't have babies but he was the one that was saying oh I'm infertile Um, and we all know it only takes one little sperm to make a baby but he had not been successful all those years so perhaps she had reason to think that perhaps I was not his and maybe she said something we'll just never know Mm -hmm. but she was not in my life at all after he died Mm. got it I think they were probably quite glad that my mum went away with this baby okay so um of course I find all of this out after my mum's died and I think it makes a lot of sense now that I was probably not four weeks early at all. I think my mum probably had changed a few dates around for convenience sake to make things line up nicely. Um, And I desperately wanted to ask her some questions. And of course, I find out after she's died. But I had the information, and this is the part that I've struggled with the most, I had the information at my fingertips. I'm a bright girl. I'm a master's prepared nurse. I know about DNA, Um, but I never spent the time to really look at it until it was after the time I could ask any questions. But I really think that that's divine intervention in my life because we were so fractured. I think particularly at the beginning, I was very, very angry that I had been robbed of knowing who my dad was. And I've missed this, my birth certificate father, my whole life, I have wanted to, I've wondered what would he think of me? Would he be proud of me? What would he think of his grandchildren? And this mythical father figure out there that I was just a poor little girl whose daddy died. And uh, I think I was angry that maybe I would have felt a lot differently growing up if I had just known that I had a dad that just didn't want to be around. 
But given the time that's elapsed since I got that information and I was incredibly angry and mad with her and just outraged that she would do this to me, I kept thinking of the opportunities. Should she have told me when I was 16, when my, you know, when my dad died, my birth certificate father died, there was an opportunity there. Could she have told me when she was single in between the really nasty father figure and the dad that I got when I was just 10 or 11? Could she have told me when I was 18 or just before I got married or when I went for genetic counselling? prior to having children because there were some genetic problems in my husband's side of the family that we wanted to know what our risk factors were. But she never shared ever. She never mentioned a word. She never hinted. There's nothing that I ever think to myself, oh, well, that's what that meant when she said that. Never, never, ever. And I was super, super angry. But with time, I have mellowed that And I know if she'd been alive, she would have had the full force of my anger. And that would have been very difficult for her and probably me as well. And probably for my children, because they'd have witnessed me being angry with grandma. Um, But now I have realized that probably she was trying to protect me from the rejection that she felt would definitely be there if I had reached out to this gentleman, Mm. my biological father. Now, what I'm finding is that he was a great guy. Um, uh, My new sister tells me stories about him. Um, He led a good life on the whole. We all have our little foibles, but he was a good guy and a good father to her. And I was a little sad for a a short amount of time, but I think this is how it should have worked out for me. I think that there is divine plan for all of us. And maybe if I had been 16 and I'd reached out to him and he'd rejected me, my path would have been very different. And maybe the choices I made in life or profession or where I went to live or what I went to do would have been different if I'd had something traumatizing happen to me. So I'm choosing to think while I believe it would have been better if she, if I had known the truth, that the reason she lied was to protect me and give me as good a life as she could bearing in mind all her challenges with life. And I've, I'm fine. I'm good. I've got a happy, successful life. I'm well-educated. I have this great new husband who is just so wonderful to me. And I have four fabulous children who are just the light of my life. And now I have a sister and a niece and a sister that I look so much alike. And we are just keeping our communication going and I hope if COVID ever goes away and finances allow that I will be able to go to New Zealand to meet with her and um, see each other face to face. One kind of crazy little thing is that I'm 
reasonably tall. I'm like five eight, but one of my kids is six foot five. My daughter's five foot ten. We're we're a tall family, and their dad is certainly a little taller than average. He's five eleven, six foot, but his mum's real short. And we've always said um, it must be because my birth certificate father was very tall, six two. My mum was just under six foot. And we've always said, oh, the genes come from that side of the family. Well, it turns out my biological father was just five foot ten. And hmm. the genes do not come from that side. They come from my mum and her her part of the family because they're all very tall. But it's just kind of funny because my sister, she says she's just just a little bit over five foot. <laughs> <laughs> So we look alike, but I'm the giant version, I think is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry she's uh, in New Zealand. I'm glad you found her, but that I hope you do get to meet her face to face one of these yeah. when when it allows. Well, we do FaceTime. Uh, well, you know, through Facebook Messenger and that works well. We had, you know, our first conversation was a couple of hours and then we had another conversation when her daughter joined her as well. And we message backwards and forwards. Um, you know, she's um, retired now. Um, she was a teacher. She's had a great full life herself. And I get busy with work and I'm um, doing my doctorate right, right now. So I am busy with school and kids. I've only got one who's living full time at home right now. But it's just life is chaos. And I suddenly go, oh, my gosh, I've not talk to her in a couple of weeks. So I message her and then she messages me and we message each other and we keep up with each other on Facebook. And one day I believe we will see each other together and we will catch up and we will see how much we really are alike. When we first talked um, via Facebook Messenger with the video call, she said, oh my goodness, your mannerisms, they're so much like one of the cousins. And so it'll be very cool to be in a room with someone who has got my face but a little older mm. oh that really will be that will be oh that's sweet and miss jillian we if people want to get in touch with you i think we decided it would be best if they just contact the show and i can forward any messages to you is that is that that's perfectly fine perfectly fine and they can contact, if anyone wants to know more about Jillian, you can contact me at npestories at gmail.com and I will get that message forwarded to Jillian. Well, Miss Jillian, thank you so much for, for sharing your beautiful story today. Oh, as a side note, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to share that I may have cut you off on? I just think that time is a great healer. Generally speaking, most people are not bad people. They're not trying to hurt us. They're making decisions at the time that they felt are the best they can make given the circumstances that they have. And there are many decisions in my mum's life that I question. Personally, as a mother, I would never have moved my children back in with someone who had abused me. But at the time, I'm sure she was desperate and didn't know what else to do. And it was a roof over her head. And so I try as, as time goes on to tr look for the good in people 
and try very hard to assume the best because I think human nature is to assume the worst sometimes. And for all the demons my mum had, for all the hurt she bestowed on people, particularly my birth certificate father's original wife, I think she tried the best with what she had and she wasn't perfect and she made big mistakes. But I am who I am because of my experiences in the last 50 years. And I might not be the person I am today. I might not have met the people that I met. I might not have the children that I have. And I wouldn't want to change any of that because they're all perfect in their own right. And they are the best part of me. And I hope that other people who perhaps are feeling super angry right now with their story, that given time, you might be able to see that perhaps, perhaps this was how it was meant to be. And people weren't trying to hurt you in particular. It was just a split second decision they made on any given day. And they went along with it because it's just too hard to go back and change things once you've said certain things. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it perfect. But it makes it the truth that you're now living. So I'm pleased I know what happened. Of course, I wish I knew more. But my resolution is that I now have a sister and I can put some closure to my questions that I had from my Ancestry DNA kit. And I have to tell you one very quick funny thing. My aunt decided to do a test with a different company as well. And I put my DNA into that um, machine as well, engine, whatever you do, you, I uploaded it. And it came out that we, would, we were either half sisters or an aunt. And my aunt said, thank goodness I'd already found out about my sister and my parentage because that would have um, been very traumatic for her, bearing in mind the fact that there was the sexual abuse in, my, in their family. Mm. And she would have said it would have really panicked her to think that we were actually sisters, um, but we're not. Mm. But um, it's, it's kind of a twist on it. And I'm Again, timing was right. I found this all out. So then she sent off. She'd actually had the kit sitting in her house for over a year and she hadn't sent them off yet. So the timing again was correct that I would find out who my biological father was and that I had a sister and then she could rest easy that there was no terrible secret to uncover and that she is my aunt. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing your story today, Jillian. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for spending time with me. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.